podcast where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Kevin Sutton. Coach Sutton is an assistant coach at the University of Rhode Island. He comes to us with 30 plus years of coaching experience and is also known as a great teacher of the game, a great builder of the game. So we talked to him today about teaching leadership and followership. We talk about being versatile as a coach and how to view those that we impact as living trophies. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Oh, thank you so much, Mike, for having me. It's uh, truly an honor to be able to be a part of uh, your podcast. I really appreciate it, Coach Sutton. Uh, I know you're a busy man uh, at the University of Rhode Island right now. You guys are getting in the mix and getting started. Uh, already have guys on campus ready to work out and, and get going. Uh, so here again, making this time is really, really uh I think it's going to be beneficial for all of us who are listening in and in your perspective, uh, I think it would be highly valued. So uh, to go ahead and get started, how were you introduced to the game of basketball? Um, I was introduced to the game uh, of basketball by my older cousins and uncles who played, you know, in, in our neighborhood. Um, I played both football and basketball growing up. And then when I entered the ninth grade, I, I stopped playing football and gave it up. <laughs> yeah. And my dad was my first football coach, and, and I just totally gave up football and totally focused on uh, on basketball. Um, my cousin, Tommy Amaker, who's the head coach of Harvard, wow. you know, Butchie Dobson, Bobby Dobson, and uh, J.J. Brooks, we all grew up in, uh, in a rec center uh, by the name of James Lee, and we, we played basketball all the time. And uh, we played in the county league uh, against guys like Mike Jackson, Michael Jackson, who ended up playing at Georgetown, Billy King, and at Duke, Derek Sims at wow. uh, University of Virginia, Gerald Jackson uh, at Minnesota, and many other guys. So, you know, basketball has always been my first love. That's fantastic, Coach. I don't, are there still rec centers around? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, that's something that I think a lot of people, they're, they're all about the uh, sports complexes now. But the rec centers still – How about that? Yeah. You, know, and, you know what, Mike, you're, you're exactly right, you know. Uh, the rec centers are are a dying breed, and I, and yeah. I couldn't be more happy uh, that I grew up in a rec center. I learned how to play all different types of sports there, and board games, and yeah. a lot of different activities like pool and ping yeah. pong. And, yeah, and it was a great experience, and, and it truly was a neighborhood uh, rec center where everybody came after school and on the weekends, and it was a great time. The rec center helped you to understand that maybe you didn't come from too meager of a uh, uh, situation because there was swimming, there was board games, there was a pool table. We didn't have a pool table in my house. You know, it made you feel like something special is going on here. There's a basketball court. It's air-conditioned for the most part. Uh, so, yeah, man, the rec center really does have a place for myself living in the inner city and all that. Uh, it really had a great place in my heart. And our rec center was the, the center of our, of our neighborhood, center of our community. Yeah. Um, and it was a great place, and it was run by, you know, fantastic uh, um, leaders and directors. And, and actually, our very first, we organized our very first AAU team, you know, out of that, that rec center. And um, Mr. Reginald Kitchen 
as who has had a lasting impact on my life uh, with my very first AAU, team, AAU coach. And we were all from the same neighborhood back then, a lot different <laughs> than yeah. it is now. <laughs> yeah, now to be sure. So, Coach, what was your experience like coming out of high school and then playing in college at James Madison? What, what was that like for you? Um, well, I was really fortunate enough to, to have great coaching throughout my you know, uh, youth and as well as throughout high school. So when I played uh, youth basketball, um, like I said, Reginald Kitchen was my AAU coach. Um, I had some, you know, some other great coaches that, that you know, helped you know, make me a better person, make me a better player. And we had a great deal of success of you know, playing and winning AAU championships, winning county championships. And, wow. And then I went on to Flint Hill and got the, the, the opportunity to play for Stu Better, who's the Hall of Fame coach in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, and then I, uh, and we were a nationally ranked team. You know, USA, you know, USA Today started ranking teams back in 1983. Wow. We were one of the first teams to be nationally ranked. Uh, and we played with and, and, and against really good players in the D.C. area, Baltimore, New York, Philadelphia, Florida, and Arkansas. And also we traveled to the, the Virgin Islands. So I had a great um, youth uh, experience as well as a high school experience. And then, um, you know, going on to James Madison University uh, was just a tremendous honor. That was my ultimate goal is to, to earn a scholarship, you know, an athletic scholarship. And I was fortunate enough to, to do that and, and go on to play at James Madison. My career there wasn't stellar, but I played with some great guys and had some great teammates that I'm still uh, still close with today. So my basketball experience as a player is one that I'm very happy and very proud of. Fantastic, Coach. That's great to hear uh, because maybe you, you maybe met expectations, didn't exceed them or exceeded them. Who knows? But as long as you had a – you know, that experience was uh, – beneficial and it took you somewhere in life that's all that really matters uh absolutely i mean it, it, for, for me um you know playing sports uh, i had always you know told my parents and told uh you know everybody that was connected to me that my the ultimate objective was to go to college and have uh my college education paid for yeah. um as a young kid uh, you know like everyone else i had aspirations uh, to playing you know in the nba um but the realization of that um you know it came to me you know, in college when my talent level peaked out. But I was uh, able to accomplish the, the goal that I set out for myself, to earn you know, college uh, scholarship, and uh, be the first person in my family to go on to college and the first person in my family to graduate from college. And then wow. the opportunities that the people that I met at James Madison playing for Lou Campanelli and John Thurston. And like I said, I had some outstanding teammates uh, that are lasting and we stay connected today. That's great, Coach. So to start to kind of jump into your, your coaching career, you start off as a graduate assistant there at James Madison. Was, what was that experience like being, still being a young buck and then being around the guys? What was that like? It was a great experience, and, here, and here's why. You know, uh, Mike, you know, at the end of the year, you, your, your coaches always bring your players in have a you know, postseason evaluation meeting. Yeah. And, uh, University. Every summer, I would drive back home. It's two hours away from home, and coach my high school summer league team. And Coach Better, uh, you know, lit the fire in me, um, wanting to be a coach. So he allowed me to coach his summer league team, which had guys like Dennis Scott, wow. and Dane, uh, Randolph, Chil uh, Randolph Childress, uh, Ryan Thompson, 
I'm a talented wow. guy, so I, I got the bug. You know, uh, I got bit by the bug really early. So yeah. um, while I was going by, I was coming back home every Friday uh, uh, afternoon after classes were over. I would practice the team, and then we would have games on Saturday, uh, two games on Saturday, and then I would drive back to uh, you know James Madison on Sunday after visiting with my parents. Um, so you know, my college coaches knew I wanted to be a coach, and my high school coach knew I wanted to be a coach. So after my um, playing days were over at James Madison, uh, John Thurston gave me the opportunity to join the staff right away. And, uh, and it was a, a great experience uh, because I got to learn, you know, the business side of, you know, college sports, yeah. um, college athletics. And, uh, but I was still involved, you know, you know, with the game of basketball, which is what I love. So he put me on my career path that I'm still on today. And I'm very grateful um, that John Thurston saw in me the talent and gave me the opportunity to uh, start my career, at, you know, at James Madison um, as a you know, graduate assistant coach. So you talk about kind of how you jumped into coaching and when you realized kind of you were standing on the shoulders of giants and they kind of propelled you to start off coaching the team with those type of players had to be something just so amazing and kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe misleading too. Like it's not always going to be like this, but (laughs) definitely, man, that's a great introduction into, you know, the, the profession or the idea of coaching. Absolutely. Um, when I, you know, finished, you know, at James Madison, I came back and uh, to join uh, Coach Better at Flint Hill, um, and it was it was great great experience because, you know, like you said, I, I was coaching some outstanding players, uh, and I really did think, and I was naive to think, I was like, this is great, this is easy, yeah. you know, this is this is what coaching is, this is what I want to do, yeah. and uh, he quickly, when he, he quickly uh, humbled me, uh, yeah. he says, uh, that's my team. He said, your team is that one over there. And he pointed to the eighth graders. And uh, I was the middle school coach. I was the JV coach. And then I was go. also a varsity assistant coach. Smart guy. So I was quickly uh, quickly humbled yeah. uh, to realize that, uh, uh, you know, it's not as easy as one would like to think. And, uh, but I was really fortunate enough that Coach Better continues to guide me in my coaching career. So, Coach, I like something you said. You talked about the business side of the game. And I think uh, we do well as coaches and mentors and leaders in that when we look to impact kids' lives or young people's lives, we have to show them the whole menu of what the game yeah. can offer them, not just playing, not just dribbling the ball, That when that, or, or even just coaching. Like There's more to the game than, than a lot of people can even uh, fathom at times, especially nowadays in, in this world of uh, you know, specialization uh, uh, you know, customization. Everything has to be kind of uh, fim- uh, form-fitted for everyone. So, therefore, more jobs are created in the game. More money's flowing through the game to pay people to do those things. So that's, that's I think, something here, again, Coach, as teachers, here, mentors, all that, we need to really show young people, hey, there's a, there's a business side of this, and here's the whole menu. Let it work towards uh-huh. one of these. I'm sorry, Mike, but absolutely, you're 100% spot on. Last summer, I had the opportunity to speak several times, um, and my uh, uh, speech topic was uh, love the game, uh, but learn the business. Yeah. You know, and so in, in, in my, my, my lecture, my speeches, you know, I was uh, talking to different coaches, different levels of coaches, you know, and I said, we all enter this game, you know, whether it be basketball, football, whatever sport it is, we enter it because we love it. 
but we also have to understand that there's a business side of it, and the, the, the quicker that you can learn the business side of it, you know, the better off you'll be, and you'll be able to more successfully navigate your career and be able to make decisions um, that are in the best interest for you so you can further your career, understanding that, yes, I, I love this game, but I also know the business component to this game, and I have to make decisions that are smart and educated, you know, based on both sides of that, not just my emotional side that's attached to the love for the game, but my intellectual side that is attached to the understanding that it is a business. Wonderful, Coach. Love what you said there. Love the game, learn the business. Great. That's, that's just great advice overall. And I think that's for even the game of business as entrepreneurs, anybody who's out there doing anything. Yeah. Uh, the game of educating kids in a classroom. Love that. and and But learn the business too. Like There's so many things that can, uh, I guess, skew your, your view of those professions and the things you're doing when it comes to the business and, and maybe deter you and sour your experience. And when you, mm-hmm. when you have a full understanding or maybe just a good enough understanding, you can progress in those professions. Now, part of being a coach, a leader, all those things is how we look at who's following me, who's listening to me, am I being heard? Does anybody even care that I'm a leader? I'm, you know, So does leadership always equal followership, coach? Um, that, that is, like I, like I told you uh, off air, Mike, you, know, you, you asked an you know, outstanding question, and that, that truly is one. Um, I do believe that, that leadership and followership, you know, they go hand in hand. Um, you know, both are equally, you know, important. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm almost, almost dependent upon, you know, in order to be, you know, a great leader, you got to you know, get people to believe in you first, yeah. you know, and then you got to get people to buy in to, to what you think. One thing that I do to teach leadership and followership is, you know, when I'm doing one of my workouts or skill sessions, you know, I, what I do is I will rotate my leaders. You know, oftentimes people, you know, uh, teach through their best student or they teach through their best player and just, you know, have them as the, the example, as the model. But what I try to do to teach leadership and followership is I will rotate with each drill. Um, you know, a person will, will, will start as a leader, say, you know, a young man by the name of, you know, Jimmy. You know, say, hey, Jimmy, you know, take drill one. You know, the success or failure of the drill is going to depend on how you, you lead the drill. Yeah. You know, verbally, how you lead the drill with your actions, how you, you know, you execute the, the, the drill. And so I will do all my corrections, you know, for Jimmy. Okay. And then after that drill is over, then I'll say, hey, Paul, you know, uh, you take drill number two, you know, we'll explain the drill and we'll go through it. Um, now Jimmy has to cycle into a follower, follower role. And so what happens is, you know, you, you have some kids who, who, who are alphas and they, they, they gravitate to the leadership position. They want to be in the front of the line. You know, and then you have some kids who gravitate to the to the back of the line. You know, yeah. and so what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do in, 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 in teaching leadership and fellowship is, yes, I want those guys who 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 are naturally leaders and want to jump to the front of the line, but sometimes and oftentimes they are probably the worst followers. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then, like, like, you know, the converse to that is sometimes those kids that that, that don't want to necessarily be uh, leaders now they're forced to lead. You know, uh, and, and they learn how to become leaders. They're, 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 they usually are the guys who are, are the followers. Yeah. And so I, I, I started doing that when in, in, in 2008 um, with one of my teams at Montverde Academy, and I had a, a young man by the name of Deshaun Harris. 
and uh, Dash uh, went on to play at Texas A&M. Yeah. Dash was an outstanding uh, leader. He, uh, he led our team actually as a point guard in 2007 to the national championship. And in 2008, it was his team as a senior, and he was truly uh, a leader. But I had to prepare, you know, uh, Dash, what was going to happen for the following year at Texas A&M. Yeah. And, you know, as great a leader as Dash was, he was equally as poor a follower. And so I started rotating the drills and rotating my leaders and teaching leadership and followership without ever saying I'm teaching leadership or teaching followership. Mm-hmm, yeah. I was just doing it organically. And it really prepared, you know, Dash for now going from what I say the top of the totem pole as a senior in high school to the bottom of the totem pole as a freshman in college. And that transitional period, you know, takes place from, you know, May until back then, you know, school started, you know, in, you know, September. And so I had to help him, prepare him that he wasn't going to be able to just walk in (laughs) Texas A&M and be, you know, a leader from day one, you know, uh, and be able to tell people what to do and what not to do. He was a freshman and he had to learn how to follow before he could lead. I do believe that leadership and followership go hand-in-hand, and they're they're dependent upon one another. Fantastic, Coach. I think you laid out for us maybe, uh, you know, when we think about best practices and what we do on a daily basis, uh, cycling leadership and followership Mm -hmm. and teaching both, that is key, and that is golden. So, you know, here again, coaches out there listening, uh, you know, I'm going to implement this. And I think it's something that we can all do and, and definitely without telling them, hey, here's what we're going to do. Like you said, letting it happen kind of organically. And, uh, and so great, great uh, point of emphasis with that, Coach, and, and what you're talking about when you're in your drilling even. So how does – because I, I think as coaches we see ourselves sometimes as I'm a defensive expert, I'm an offensive expert. Like yourself, you work a lot on recruiting and scouting of your opponents – uh, for each, you know, program that you've been a part of. But I think the more multidimensional we are, the bigger of a threat we are. We teach that to kids, you know, on the court when it comes to development, right? So I'm I'm, I'm trying to grasp here for myself as a coach, and I think other coaches are as well. How does being multidimensional as a coach extend our careers? Being uh, multidimensional means being versatile. And the more versatile you are, the more valuable you are. So, um, so as a coach and as a leader and as a player, you want to be as multidimensional as you possibly can because you bring so much more valuable, more value to your team. Uh, in coaching, for example, I, I never wanted to be pigeonholed as anything. Even though I've built my reputation um, as a skill development coach and a developer, developer of talent, um, I never wanted to be solely thought of as that. So I studied every aspect of the game of basketball. I asked questions in areas where I wasn't as uh, as efficient. Um, and so I wanted to learn, you know, the offensive side, the defense, the, the, the special situation side, you know, how to coach, you know, motivate, you know, and how to be able to become the best coach in this I can possibly be. Because I believe, again, that, you know, being multidimensional makes you that much more marketable. Yeah. Being multidimensional makes you that much more versatile. And the more versatile you are, the more valuable you are. And an example of that is Draymond Green. If you look at his ability to be uh, versatile and guard multiple positions, 
and his ability, you know, to to uh, bring some value to to the Golden State Warriors because he's truly one of those positional players Definitely. that we see in the day today's yeah. game. He's fun to watch because he's everywhere. You know, yeah. He, he, you may not like some of his antics or attitude or for what all he gets criticized for. I should say, who who really cares? Because the guys out there, like you said, he's a ball player. He's not. You can't. You know, like you said, pigeonhole. Put him in a box. Uh, he's out there and he's enjoying the game. And some guys don't like that he's enjoying the game because they're not enjoying him enjoying it because it's causing havoc. But I think that, that that's something that is coaches. Uh, if we take that approach, being versatile, I think that can extend itself also to the house. I mean, and I bring up I bring up personal life because, like with you and your situation with your wife Beth, and then your four children at home, like you you want to be versatile. You don't want to just be the guy that's like, I just take out the trash, I just do this, I just I'm don't don't ask me to do anything more. It's like being ver- <laughs> you know being versatile at home. Then go to your job. Then go to the court. Then go to the office. Then go to wherever you're gonna go and be versatile. But but be versatile where it counts first. So I think that that idea of being versatile in our profession and what we do is something that we it can I don't know it can translate into everything every every form of life. It can and that's what you know. You bring up my family. My wife is an educator, um, an accomplished educator. You know, I'm a pretty good coach. I've won coach of the year a couple of times, but yeah. she's won teacher of the year multiple times. <laughs> wow. She's a far better teacher than I am a coach. And so that's what we do try to teach our, our kids. You know, um, you speak of the four kids that, that, are, that are ours, you know, uh, our four kids, but we also have raised 11 other kids wow. that we are very, very proud of. Um, and we have told them all, do not put yourself in the box. Ever put yeah. yourself in the box. You, 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 your versatility is what's going to, you know, make you, you know, valuable. And your value will eventually make you invaluable. So let's just make sure that we don't put ourselves in the box in any way, shape, or form. So talking about family, relationships, all that stuff, because that, to me, is almost the whole goal for me as a coach and I think a lot of coaches is building relationships because at the end of the day, that's all you take with you when when it's when your life is you're at the end, and, you know God's calling you home. You only have relationships to leave behind, not not your money, not anything else. So, how important is I guess relationships when it comes to networking? Does relationships always equal networking in the coaching profession? Yeah, uh, no, they do not. Um, you know, to me, you know, networking is uh, getting to know uh, that person. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I don't know this person. And I want to get to know this person, you know, and they're in a the coaching profession, you know, so I want to I'm gonna try to get to know them. So I'm going to network to try to, to get to know them. But, you know, relationships are, you know, established, you know, uh, you know, where people already know each other, you know, and, and through multiple sources that, they, that, 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 that that relationship become, become a relationship. You know, so, you know, relationships uh, um, have to be authentic. You know, they have to, you know, the, the best ones are organic and you didn't set out to, you know, I'm going to set out and have a relationship with this person. It's kind of happened organically and, you know, through, you know, mutual interests and mutual respect. It kind of grew, you know. Yeah. Uh, but network networking is important, you know, but it is it, who, 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 who I want to know and how can I get to know them. That's what yeah. networking, you know, means to me. 
fantastic point, Coach. I, I think of, uh, I guess, uh, younger people, uh, and then even some of us who are kind of in, in the, I don't know, still, still kind of growing in our profession and in our careers, we're thinking network at times. We think networking means somebody's going to help me get to the top faster. Networking is going to help me to uh, circumvent some process that is probably yeah. necessary and healthy for us. And reality is that networking just means, like you said, getting to know people. And if something ever comes up on my end or their end, we have each other in mind. And that is super valuable. And building relationships, super valuable. So I think I, I, the, that uh, concept of relationships equaling networking uh, is really something that uh, coaches, we, we all have to kind of uh, think about because we want to meet certain people. We want to connect with certain people, but for what, what's our intention? With the mat, it's a matter of the heart. What's your intention? And if your intentions are, are pure and good, that's great. And it happens organically, like you said, great. Uh, but not to really force the issue and then really burn a bridge at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I think the key word in, in what you just said is the intent. Yeah. Yeah. What what are what is the intention? Yeah. You know, so you know, and in a relationship, the the intention is to to have a you know a long lasting friendship or marriage. Uh, networking is like, hey, my intention is to I want to get to know him through that person. Or I want to get to know her because that person can help me get to my next opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, or I want to I want to get to know that person. My intention is I want to get to know that person because I want to learn you know from them you know again. In my learning from them, I'm trying to help myself get to where I want to get to next. Definitely. So, Coach, we as coaches, as leaders, and even mentors, uh, there's times where we get feedback from our players, from management, from administration, whoever it is. How do you process the feedback or even when you're criticized or you get criticism from somewhere? How, how do you process that? Um, I, I process, you know, the feedback, you know, the following manner. Um, I consider the source. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> consider motive uh, who's giving me or providing me the feedback, and then uh, will this feedback, you know, criticism, you know, help make me better? Yeah. You know, so that's what I try to do. You know, I always try to consider the source. You know, consider, you know, what is the motive as to which, you know, I'm, I'm being provided this and this, you know, feedback slash criticism you know, help make me better. And so that, that is always for well. Uh, and then, you know, I try to, you know, be a, uh, a person who, who, who receives the feedback, yeah. you know, um, and then also I, I will process that feedback, you know, uh, you know, mentally, and then I'll, you know, go back and uh, I will take, uh, you know, notes, you know, on that and then see the value of it. And then if it's valuable uh, and it can help me, and it comes from a person, you know, that I that I respect, and it comes, you know, uh, from a person that, like, again, a person I respect, but what, that what they're saying to me can help make me better. Then, I, then of course, I, I will, you know, work on those to those that that level of feedback that can help me. Yeah, you know, growing up, my mom always taught me that. She said, "You always got to consider the source." 
when somebody says something about you, consider the source and not necessarily to start a, a, a case against them in a court of law mentally or to judge them, but just to say, do they really know me at the, at the core of it? Do you really know me? Do you really have my best interest in mind? And if you don't, okay, let's, let's hear it, and then it's gone in the wind. It's, I tell my players all the time, you'll hear talk, and it's just noise in the wind, and it goes away. Yeah. And then you continue to do what you do and do it do it to the best of your ability, knowing that you're loved and, and all that good stuff that, you know, kind of get into that. But, you know, I think that's just really important considering the source, uh, especially with uh, all this, you know, the media and the noise and distraction of today's world, uh, really to have somebody stop and give you feedback and, and, and then out of a caring heart, out of a loving spirit. How does that really work for you? And I think mm -hmm. if it's somebody that you know here again is on your side, run with it, take it, use it, and uh, and it's just it's going to help and then you grow from it. Yeah, gonna and, grow. You know, and, and grow from it. So just try to keep things in a, in a healthy perspective. Yeah, you know, and, and back to the, the point of considering the source, you know, considering the motive, and then you know um, also you know seeing the value of it. Yeah. So. If you, uh, I, I personally do believe if you do those three things, then you know you you can you know and grow and learn, you know and improve, and you know the feedback can can be something that can be positive. <clears throat> Wonderful, coach. So, going through your career, having been at all the places you've been, you know, at the high school level, you had success. Uh, you know, growing these programs like at Montrose at. Uh, you know, Mount Verde, I mean, these are staples of the grassroots or the high school level, however you want to term it. Uh, you know, everybody knows about them. Countless number of NBA guys have come from there, McDonald's All-Americans, tons of scholarships have been handed out, very successful programs. Then going to the college level where you've been, uh, now being known as a, as a great teacher of the game, and what you bring in growing the game, USA basketball, so many things that you've done, Coach, over 30-plus years. Was there ever a situation or circumstance that could have possibly derailed you from continuing in the profession? Yeah, I mean, you know, thanks so much for, for you know, those, uh, those kind of words. But, um, you know, I, I've been on staff where we've been let go. Um, and it, and it, and the first, very first time, it, you know, it, 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 it rocked my world. To be very honest with you, it, it, it knocked me down to my knees, and uh, it made me do a tremendous amount of you know soul searching, you know, and that's when I started to see and learn about the business side of the sport. Um, so yes, I, I've had uh, um, I, I call it the, the misfortune, but fortune to be on staff that have been like yeah. um because again the misfortune side is you know being fired, and now what do I do next? But the but unfortunate part of that is learning through that process and growing through that process to put myself in a position to define what it is that I'm looking for and how do I want my career, you know, to continue to grow and then eventually what do I want my legacy to be. So yeah, I, I've had you know uh, you know those those opportunities uh, to have my career career derailed. Um, but I'm very fortunate that I, that I, through my faith and through my support system, which is my family, and then uh, the people that I believe in, that I could have been able to continue to uh, grow my career from that, from those points. 
That's great, Coach. I, I experienced it one time. I had been with the school district for 17 years, and all of a sudden, boom. And, you know, the reality of it, though, is that had I stayed there, I probably wouldn't have grown. I, w mm -hmm. I probably would still be stuck in some kind of uh, toxic mindset because I'd have felt like, you know, because I always thought of myself, I'm a lifer. They're literally going to have to yeah. bury me on this court, <laughs> you know. They're going to take me out to the football field. And, like, we're going to have to bury his old bones because he's been there for so long. And it's the best thing we can do for him to honor him or whatever, right? But, yeah, you know, absolutely. It, it, re it really did rock me to my core. And it took me to kind of some bad places, too. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I looked in the mirror. I saw who I really was, became very self-aware. And then from that yeah. point on, like you said, your support system, my wife, my parents, everybody jumped in. All of a sudden, this confidence grew. Uh, here again, my faith as well. My 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 faith in Christ and just digging into yeah. that. And, you know, c constantly praying and just seeking him out and what he wants me to do. Then all of a sudden, he provides a way. And I've always felt like that way about my careers. Like, it's in his hands. And I just need to steward it correctly. And we'll go from there. And it takes the pressure off of me now. So, but yeah, Coach, I, I, I hear you 100% about the growth and learning from situations like that. It really is important. And what, what I've been able to do since uh, <clears throat> that is being able to help other coaches, you know, mentor them through that, that same experience. You know, and I tell them always, uh, the first thing I say to them is, uh, welcome to the club. You know, yeah. you, you've been let go, you've been uh, reassigned, you've been fired, you've been demoted, okay? Yeah. Uh, but now that your ego has been bruised, let's move and get past that. And then left, now what, what do we want to do? Where, where do we want to go from here? You know, um, and that has really helped me ground me because I've been able to help others, you know, go through that, those experiences and help see this, you know, go on the other side. Because that's another aspect to, to me as a coach is that I want to be a mentor, you know, to as many people that want to seek me out for my experiences and, and or my advice. Fantastic, Coach. That's, that's great because you didn't go through it for nothing. Yeah, that's how I see it. Like, I didn't go through this for nothing. Like, this is to help somebody. Like, ultimately, during that moment, during that wilderness time uh, to get to the promised land, it's like, this is for a reason, and I'm going to help somebody through this. And and so that's a great concept of mentoring people through the things that we've gone through. So what have you learned about yourself, Coach, through the course of your career? Because it's really important to that we not just learn from the game about what to do in the game or learn from people about how to treat people. But introspectively, what have you learned about yourself? Um, I learned that I'm, I'm a, a lot tougher, you know, mentally and emotionally uh, than, than I'm often get the credit for, you know, um, and that, you know, I have grit, determination, you know, persistence, yeah. you know, my pursuit in my career, you know, those are the type of things that I have learned about myself, uh, become more self-aware, you know, and in, in that self-awareness is or about a level of peace, you know, um, because I like who I am and I yeah. like for, and I like the things that I stand for and what I believe, um, and my core values, um, and those are my non-negotiables. So it's gratifying that, that, that I attract people who, you know, see in me, um, and, and respect my core values, and, and I reflect the people who, who um, that are different, 
within me, and and and, 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 and it's really helped me to, to see who is actually in in my circle, um, and, and and it's just helped me in so many areas of my life, you know, to to define who I am. So and, and with that self awareness has come about, I mean, like I said, a great level of peace that has enabled me to identify what I truly was truly important to me. Um, where do I want to, you know, be, and, and who do I want to be, and what type of coach do I want to be, and what type of father I want to be. Fantastic. And, and it's just really been a tremendous uh, uh, growth experience, and, and that's what I have learned about myself throughout my uh, 34 years of coaching. That's great, Coach. And and I think here again, self awareness brings peace. Ah, wow. Like to me, that that is really true. I I wake up sometimes and I say, God, thank you for making me the way you did. I didn't realize it would prepare me for X, Y, and Z. I didn't realize I could like myself so much, like you said. You, you, you're more self-aware, so you actually feel like, I, I like who I am, and it brings about peace. That's a fantastic point, Coach. Um, and, the, and, and one thing that, uh, that, um, that, that needs to be realized is that um, developing self-awareness does not, become, does not mean you become self-centered. Right, right, you know? right. Becoming self-aware is just understanding who you are, what your non-negotiables are, what your valuable are, values are, what 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 is what is valuable, you know. To yeah, you. yeah. Self-interest is totally different, and that's when you just uh, or your ego is, is the driver of that car, and everything is about you. Yeah. But being self-aware is not necessarily, you know, it's not all about you. It's just this is what I stand for. This is what I represent. Correct. Wow, Coach. Great stuff. Um, so I, I here again, kind of playing to our our listenership, which is comprised mainly of college coaches and assistants and all that, and, and grad assistants. How can we as coaches uh, invest in ourselves, say in the off season or even during the season? How can we invest in ourselves to become better for the people we serve, uh, or for our future? A possibility, a possibility of you know uh, an opportunity to to coach uh, elsewhere. How, how can we do that? Well, um, first and foremost, I, I look at in, investing in yourself. Um, much as we, uh, as coaches, are always demanding our players to improve. So when we invest in our in ourselves, we are looking to improve um, as, as a coach. Yeah. I, I say oftentimes when I go to speak in at the coaching clinics, I say, you're here today as an investment in yourself, okay, as a coach. Team is better tomorrow because you're, you spend the time today to, to, to come here to listen, to learn, to grow, and you're improving. Then now you're going to be the best example for your player that you can possibly be. Yeah. So now when you get back into the, you know, into the lab with them, they're going to get better as players because they're going to gain some of the knowledge that you, uh, and the time that you invested in yourself by coming to these coaching clinics. So I think it's imperative, you know, for, for coaches to invest in their careers. You know, uh, we all have a story, and we yeah. need to be—we need to take ownership of, of our story. You know, and, and and the best way to do that is you have to guard it, and you have to protect it, and then you have to invest in it. You know, to to improve as a person, improve as a coach, and improve, you know, in every aspect of, of your life. So you have to take the time, you know, to invest. You know, we're we're talking about uh, on the daily. Basis, uh, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis, you just have to invest and take the time, you know, to do those type of things to improve. You know, working to 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 improve 
you know, um, in, in an area that, that, that has been, you know, pointed out to you as a weakness. You know, having the resources to, to, to go as an investment, you know, going to see people, uh, you know, watching film, you know, creating, you know, an action plan uh, and an plan. What am I going to do? Where do I want to be? And, and, and that's investment. You know, uh, I, I believe in, you know, personal growth and personal development is just imperative, you know, for as, as we grow as, as we grow in the profession, as we grow as, as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an I think, uh, you know, reading is, is, a, is an investment. You know, uh, listening to podcasts, you know, I podcast, big, you know, podcast guy. Um, you know, you can, you can listen to podcasts all the time. Yeah. And, and, and another area is uh, keeping a notebook. <laughs> yeah. You know, having a notebook that's dedicated just to offense, a notebook dedicated just to skill development, notebooks dedicated just to, you know, um, you know, defense, special situations, keeping those type of uh, notebooks, and then go across the sports, not just basketball, you know, uh, learn about how, you know, uh, football runs their, their their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, how they structure, yeah. you know, get baseball, and, you know, we look at money ball, and now we see it uh, prevalent in, in the game of basketball, so just Very look true. across at other sports, you know, as well as team sports, as well as individual sports, aware of you know, the things and the trends that are going on, staying in front of it, you know, uh, I'm a lifelong learner. See, you know, the, the kids working out and and, and sometimes it'll be great ideas that they're, you know, what I've seen out on the floor and other times I've seen ways to tweak it, you know, or some things that I would be like, whoa, that's just a waste of time. Yeah. You know, and instead of just sitting there just, you know, having that go through my mind, I would start to, you know, jot down notes. And then those notes became blogs. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to put it out there and just, <laughs> and just yeah. maybe it might help somebody else. It might even help the coach that I just got finished watching their practice, even though I don't, you know, put their names in there. Yeah. Um, but it, it might help that coach. So yeah. writing blogs and then, you know, obviously, you know, back to what you were talking about, networking, you know, but you got to do that, you know, authentically and you got to do that in, in, in its proper perspective without a selfish motive. Yeah. Definitely, Coach. I like what you said about getting notebooks. Uh, when I see a composition notebook for a dollar at the store, I, my eyes light up for some weird reason, and and I usually just buy them randomly. Uh, also, because my kids are like, "Daddy, Daddy, I want a notebook," but I uh, I get them because initially I started as a musician, uh, writing lyrics and thoughts and all those things for the music and. And now as a coach, I'm writing thoughts down. I'm writing things down that I want to implement on a, at a later time. Maybe not that week. Maybe not that month. Maybe even not that year because my team doesn't require me to implement, you know, uh, that concept or, or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, really, really good idea to just kind of go old school on it and get a pen and a pad or paper and a pad and just jot down notes because usually when you do it like that, you retain that information just a little bit more. Uh, it, it, just in my experience and in, in the practices that I've done. So, Coach, uh, you know, it's important in my mind, you talk about core values, right? And I, sure. think, and I think that's something that uh, in society we can, we can go on about morality and what's what, and, 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 and it can get really murky at times. Uh, but for mm-hmm. but for us as leaders, uh, people that you know, we have ethics, 
you know, what's ethical, what's not, what's uh, what we can and can't do. There's literally rules that we have to adhere to within the coaching field. Uh, what is it, you know, is, as a, is it important to have a value system in order to properly serve those that we serve? Um, I truly believe um, that it's paramount to have a value system. You know, and I call them your your, your non-negotiables. Yeah. You know, and and my my mom, uh, you know, God rest her soul, you know, um, is my guiding you know guardian angel and guiding force in that. You know, if I you know would think something or try to do something or want to do something that 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 I knew that she would would not make her proud. And, you know, that helps guide me back to those values that, that were instilled in me, you know, as a, as a young man, you know, um, by her and by my grandmother, and by, you know, the, the core people that are most important to me. So I think it's paramount to have a value system. You know, people people will only follow you, uh, follow the leader, you know, if they believe in them, you know, and, you know, and it's important to have believe in, you know, before you, you know, you have buy-in, you know, I've said that before. But uh, if you have a value system, this is you know, it's not about words. It's, it's about your actions, and if those two match up, you know people will follow you. You know people will listen to you. You know, but they're gonna see if your words match up to your actions, and if yeah. your words that you say and you preach and you teach go counter to what they see you do, um, then they're not as readily going to follow you, or they will only follow you to a certain point, and then they'll realize that this guy isn't, or this coach, or this person isn't uh, uh, what they say they are, and yeah. their words and actions don't match up. So I think it's important that you establish what your value system is, and whatever that is. And whatever that value system is, you know, uh, it becomes your non-negotiable. I'm not going to waver on this. Uh, you know, I might, you know, value what you here and there, but here, you know, honesty and technique, loyalty, I gotta have those, you know. And, and if you you can't be honest to me, you know, with me, you can't be truthful, you know, with me. And you, and you don't have integrity, and if you don't, you know, you don't stand for you know integrity, you know, then those, I'm not going to negotiate those things. Those are not negotiable. Those are part of my value system. And so you you recruit to that, you know, and you attract people you know, to your value system. Um, and sometimes they they, they they want they are the most talented people. But guess what? You know, you know, as a coach and as a leader, that you have the right people with you um, yeah. because they, they, they want to be a part of what you stand for. And so, like I said, it's not just your, your words, but it's, the, it's your words and what you do and how you're in and, and your actions. Definitely, Coach. I mean, actions speak louder than words. And then especially with these generations that we're leading, um, they don't want you to be fake because enough, there's enough fake out there for them. I mean, they can... Exactly. They open their eyes and wake up and get on their phones. Tons of fake, and it's misleading and guiding them left and right. The culture's fake. Everything's fake about what they're looking at every day. The last person that needs to be fake is the person they're entrusting for their careers, their lives, their well-being, uh, who they're going to become as a man or as a, as a woman, uh, you know, all those things. And I feel like that's why I, I think it's really important to have that value system as well. So coach, life has a crazy way of humbling us sometimes. And we kind of talked about that as far as being let go and having to move on from different situations. But how do we as coaches and as men or as women, as leaders, as mentors, all that, 
How do we intentionally humble ourselves? Well, uh, I, I, I hearken back to my faith. I mean, there's a Bible passage that says, uh, you know, he who you know exalts himself shall be humbled, yeah. but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Yeah, you right know, on. and I try to keep that in, 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 in its proper perspective. You know, so I try to stay, you know, as grounded as I possibly can in my faith. You know, yeah. I, my faith is, is, is so important to me, so I try to stay grounded, you know, in my faith. You know, I try to live out, you know, my faith. Um, and then I try to appreciate and and, and show humility, you know, um, for what I've been able to accomplish. Whenever I'm asked to speak, you know, whenever I'm, you know, asked to, to, to my opinion, you know, such and such, you know, uh, on any topic, you know, people asking me to, to, to do DVDs or podcasts. I try to keep it all in perspective and, you know, try to show, you know, humility. You know, because humility to me is a characteristic trait that, that I value. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, uh, um, I, I hearken back to um, the Bible passage that says, "He who, who you know, he who exalts himself, who puts himself up first, shall be humbled." Yeah. Um, and but he who humbles himself first, in the end, shall be exalted. So I try to live that. Fantastic, Coach. I I, I ask that question particularly because I hear people say all the time. Oh, you know, I'm in a place where I need God or something to humble me. Please humble me. And I'm thinking, no, humble yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like get, get yourself at a place that you don't, you know, your head's not going to get so big that you can't get through the door. Humble yourself to the place where you can get better. Humble yourself to a place where money doesn't have you. Power doesn't have you. You have it. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Like just true humility can really save you from a lot of things that are self-inflicted, uh, and uh, and I think that humility is a good medicine to give ourselves every day, in a sense. Yeah, and, and like one 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 story that I like to share, uh, you know, is that my father taught me, you know, uh, humility at a very young age. Um, like I said, he was my very first football coach, yeah. and um, and so. When you're playing little league football, you know every parent has to, you know, bring the oranges or the Gatorade, yeah. you know. And so my my and, and so where we grew up, you know, sometimes the parents couldn't always do that. So my dad just eliminated all of that, and he just brought the Gatorade and the oranges every, you know, every weekend yeah. for every game. And um, you know, back then, and I'm dating myself, you know, the, there was only two flavors of Gatorade: it was lemon lime, and then there was orange, orange yeah. in the glass <laughs> jars. You know, and so Lemon Lime was my favorite. So after the game was over, you run to the back of my dad's car, and every kid, you know, got a Gatorade, and every kid got, you know, you know, a snack and, and the like. And so being that it was my dad's car, I would walk up there where every other kid would run up there and get in line. And so I was one of the best players on the team. I was the quarterback, so I was in the glory position, and I would score touchdowns or throw touchdowns, and then I played free safeties, and I would intercept it. So I was one of the better Stead. players on the team. Yeah. And I would start it, and I was in the newspaper. I was recognizable. And then um, I was starting to, you know, get full of myself, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And so my mom and my dad, uh, you know, started recognizing it. So after one game, uh, you know, Kids ran, and the teammates ran to my dad's car, you know. And then I, I walked up there, and and I, and as we get up there, I'm realizing that there's only one, you know, Gatorade left, and it's lemon lime, and there's two people in line, you know, <laughs> one person in front of me, and I'm the last one, you yeah. know. And, and the kid in front of me, the kid in front of me, 
you know, didn't play at all. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, like, there's no way this kid's going to take this, you know, Gatorade. <laughs> I, I, you know, this first was my dad's car. Second, I'm the best player on the team. Yeah. Okay, so then the kid, you know, reaches for it, and he should have. And he reached for it, and he got it, and then he got his, uh, his, uh, his uh, snack. And my dad looked at me, and then I looked at my dad. I was like, what is he doing? Like that. <laughs> and my dad said, hey, get in the car. And so yeah. we got in the car, and we drove home. And I call it left ear wisdom because when your when your dad is driving, your right. parents talking, <laughs> you want to drive it in the car to speak it into your left ear because you're looking out yeah. the window, yeah. you know. And so my dad was, you know, going on and on and on about um, you're, you're, you know, you're getting arrogant, you're getting cocky. Don't you think, uh, uh, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, Richie would have loved to, to, to trade places with you to run a touchdown, to score a touchdown, yeah. you know, throw a touchdown pass, you know? And I and I said. And the only way a kid can say it is, well, Richie sucks, and I'm good, <laughs> like that. And he said, you're totally missing the point. So we get home, and, uh, you know, uh, the tradition was for me to take my uniform off, my mom asked me how the game was, and went, and then we would, you know, have a, a you know a snack. Yeah. And uh, so the tradition, we, we do that, and then I sit down, and she says, uh, do you want something to drink? And I said, yeah, and I go to the refrigerator, and I open the door, and it's all lined with uh Gatorade. Wow. Gatorade. Wow. And he uh and my mom said, um and I close it. I said, <clears throat> I come back and sit down to eat. And she said, You sure you don't want anything to drink? And I said, uh, no ma'am I don't like that. And uh, my dad said, um, don't you forget that everybody on that team is important. Yeah. That that we would love to trade places with you. Yeah. But yet you are the best player. And the expectations for you are higher than others. Yeah. So he who humbles himself shall be exalted, and he who exalts himself shall be humbled. Wow. And I never forgot that. <laughs> that that's a great teaching point. I uh, kind of had a similar experience with my father. He uh, he coached probably my second year of uh, Pop Warner football, and there was plenty of teaching moments. My dad gave me the look, and that was it. Like, he gave, even to this day, he gives you the look like, okay, enough said. And uh, so, yeah, great, great stories. You talk about the dating yourself with with Gatorade. I remember when there was Gatorade gum. So, you know, <laughs> not, not far back. But, Coach, that was a, a great, great point of emphasis about, you know, humility. So uh, kind of here again, we, we always end every podcast with this question about legacy because it's really important to me. And I think it's important for every coach to think about the foundations they've laid out and the path that they're going down and to consider others during that path and consider, you know, what they're living for, what they're working for and how they're doing it. And it's just really important, important. So coach, what would you want your legacy to be when your career is all said and done? Uh, well, my, my career is all said and done. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to, I want to be known um, as a coach, mentor, educator, who took every opportunity to, to impact as many lives, you know, as he possibly could through the game of basketball by creating living trophies. Yeah. And if I did, if I can do that, then I will have uh, had a very, very successful career. Fantastic. You talk about living trophies. Uh, you know, if you can kind of just go down your websites for everybody so they can 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 visit the sites. And on one of your sites, you have uh, a section there called Living Trophies, and you have guys like Bradley Beal on there. 
uh, like you talked about earlier, yeah. Randolph Childress, who always reminded me of a smaller uh, Alonzo Mourning. Uh, you have guys like uh, Solomon Alabi, which most people maybe don't know who that is, but you know Corey mm-hmm. Alexander, who's who's more notable, Kim English in the profession. Uh, I think that's that's really key, you know, and, and I and I hope you know here again when we sign off here you can kind of run down your website so people can get more information about who you are and, and this idea of living trophies. I have a ton of trophies in my garage and I'm now yeah. tempted to just throw them away. I'll be honest with you because I thought, you know, I'll keep trophies around so my kids can see what I've accomplished and they can feel like, okay, I got to shoot for trophies uh, or I got to shoot for accomplishing something really is what it is. And I don't want them to think I have to shoot for trophies because in reality, my kids are, you know, I, that concept I got from your website, I really yeah. got the concept like maybe my kids are my trophies. Maybe I have a trophy uh, wife. Absolutely. I married up, so I have a trophy <laughs> wife. But, you know, do, <laughs> you know, at that point, my perception and my paradigm shifted to, okay, my kids well, you are know my, what? Thank yeah. you so, thank you so, so much for that, uh, for sharing, because that's exactly how I came up with this. Uh, concept of living trophies uh, because when you take the opportunity to pour into people and impact people, um, they become your living trophies yeah. uh, because and they, they have mobility, you know, they have a voice and they go off and you, you pour into their dreams and then they go off and reach their dreams and they tell, you know, and, and you, you have had an impact in it. Winning a championship, you know, like you said, the trophies that you've won, the trophies that I've won, in a place, maybe our garage, or yeah. the team where the championship is put in the trophy case at their And then over a period of time, the team is brought back and is celebrated, whether it be 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years, you know, and is celebrated. Well, that trophy that is, has never moved for those 10 or about a year, it collects this that, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years worth of dust. Yeah. But the people that we impact in their, in their lives, and they don't all have to be end up being uh, NBA players or superstars. Yeah. It, it's the it's the I, I have guys who are who are managers of our team that are successful businessmen. Yeah. You know, I have guys who who are living trophies that are you know athletic directors that are high school coaches that are pouring into to back into the community. You know, but that's why I coach, and that's the reason why you do what you do because you understand the value and the importance of the role that you have. Yeah. So, living trophies is a, is a phrase that I that I came up with because it embodies everything that I stand for. Um, and so, with that being said, people can go to my regular website, which is www.kevinsuttonbasketball.com. They can go to my blog site, which is www. KevinSuttonBasketball.wordpress.com, and then my trophy website is www.sutton s u t t o n s livingtrophies.com, and then I'm also on Twitter at, at Coach Sutton. Coach, I really appreciate your time. This has been wonderful. Our time together has been very productive. I believe. I think uh, a lot of coaches are going to get a lot out of what we've discuss today we're going to grow and learn from it and so here again thank you for being gracious with your time and thank you for coming on the pleasure is mine um, you and i connected uh 
organically through a mutual friend, and, and I believe in what you're doing. And so I reached out to you, and you, you know, happily agreed to have me on your show <laughs> because I want you know more and more people to realize that this platform and what you're doing with your podcast is a tremendous platform and that they need to listen to it and they also need to want to be willing to, to, to come on and share their experience so we can grow this game of basketball, you know, and come to play. Thank you so much, Coach. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. You can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and you can even follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 47. Thank you.